Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to have Anne here with us today. She has a great podcast um, that just kind of shares a lot about her special needs journey and highlights others and their special needs mama journeys. And so, um, Anne, thank you for coming on. I'm excited about you sharing kind of also what you're doing right now and how you're helping special needs families. So welcome. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And um, I'm excited that you're starting a podcast and uh, I'm excited to listen. Hopefully I won't disappoint you. Oh, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, sure you won't. Yeah. Can you kind of introduce yourself and tell us about your special needs journey? Yeah. So um, I have a, I have three daughters and my middle daughter uh, who's 11 has Prader-Willi syndrome. And shortly after she got diagnosed, I started a blog, uh, which was just kind of, you know, I'm a writer. And so writing is my way to process. And it was also at the time, as I said, it was like my way to inform my community so that, that, you know, I wasn't having to explain things at every barbecue or function or whatever. Um, so it kind of started there. And then, um, I decided to start a podcast and, uh, that kind of, you know, that was like in 2018, I think. And where I told our story a little bit, and then I started inviting other parents to tell their story. And then, uh, you know, I had doctors, specialists, authors, it just kind of broadened, uh, from there. And, um, yeah, that's the, and then now I have this, this website, um, breathe, which I realize that as you were asking the question, maybe you're asking more about my personal experience and I went right into, <laughs> into everything so. else, but that's okay. We can do the overview of of business side of things first. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and tell us about Breathe or do you want to circle back around? um, Yeah. So as far as, uh, well, I'll just say, you know, Breathe, which we can talk about more later, was uh, inspired by my experience of, you know, I live in Northern California, like the far Northern, not San Francisco, a couple hundred miles North of there. Um, And so there wasn't a, there wasn't a community that I knew of. There wasn't really a community I could plug into. Uh, so I felt a lot of isolation in the beginning, um, just really kind of figuring a lot out on my own, as far as services, like local services, uh, you know, we have a hard time keeping specialists. Um, (laughs) so, um, you know, that was just, it was challenging in the beginning, especially those first few years to find people and not feel, alone, like I was doing it on my own. And that's kind of inspired all the work that I've done since then. Um, you know, and it, it changes as it goes and, you know, there's new challenges, you know, I have a great community now. I, I know a lot of local families, uh, a lot of resources, um, but you know, it all changes as our kids get older and and meet new challenges. (laughs) Yeah. It is always, I feel like we'll get to a point where I'm like, I think I've figured it all out. And then the next day I'm like, okay, great. Well, back to the drawing board or another doctor, another specialist or another therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when was your daughter diagnosed? She was three and a half months. Okay. So those first few months were really challenging because she wasn't doing well. Uh, but we didn't know why we didn't understand why. And I think 
you know, it was, it's one of those things where maybe it was a blessing as, uh, but also, you know, the blessing and the curse thing or whatever. Um, I think if we had been somewhere maybe bigger, she would have been diagnosed sooner and I wouldn't have been as, um, kind of adrift to what was going on. But then also it's, you know, it can be an intense diagnosis to get as with most diagnoses. Um, so I had some time with her without that mask or that, you know, that flashing <laughs> billboard of Pete prader syndrome. And this is what it is. So, um, yeah, so she was three and a half months. And then when she was, uh, seven months old, we found out we were pregnant with our youngest, which was just nuts, totally crazy, but we, we kept on and it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously there's no turning back. Yeah. Okay. I, I've always said Prater. Am I, is that just my Texas accent coming out? No, I think um, people, I hear it both ways from okay. professionals. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I'm not just the ignorant one over here. Can you kind of explain to our audience what that is, what symptoms are, what that looks like? How do you even begin to get a diagnosis for that? Like genetic tests or symptom tests? Like tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, uh, it is, you know, a lot of people get diagnosed kind of at birth. Um, now there are different ways. I know there are some people who, uh, you know, uh, who are older, you know, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't as readily diagnosed and they would just diagnose the symptoms. Um, I don't think that the genetic test is that old. So, um, but I don't know the details on that, but, you know, we were, um, so failure to thrive is the first diagnosis usually or the first symptom that shows up and the hypotonia, which is a low muscle tone. So Freya had all of that. Uh, she really struggled to eat, um, to gain weight. She slept a lot. And so finally our, uh, her pediatrician suggested we do genetic testing. And my husband and I were so naive at the time. We were like, well, if it's genetic, then why do we need to to test for it. <laughs> he was like, well, you know, for example, uh, there's Prader-Willi syndrome. And, you know, if, you know, now the protocol is to start growth hormone at an early age. And anyway, it's just thinking back on that moment, it's like our doctor knew, but didn't want to come out and tell us. But so that is the beginning is that failure to thrive and uh, the hypotonia, the sleepiness. And then as they get older, um, you know, there are some learning challenges. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's important to know it's a spectrum disorder. So there is a wide variety of ways of ways that it manifests into varying degrees. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, there's learning challenges, there's emotional dysregulation. Uh, the big thing is that, um, they have this hyperphagia, which is, um, this obsession with food. They don't feel full. And so one of the number one ways of managing PWS is controlling access to food. So for some families, that looks like locking all of the food away and, uh, you know, the kid, you know, the, the individual can't have any access to food. It's very regulated. There's also a low metabolism. And so some people can only handle 500 to a thousand calories a day. Um, so that's, you know, there's, and there's a wide range. I mean, we have, we just recently built a pantry that we can lock. We put a door on it and it's got a key in it and we have, you know, all of our food in there, but we 
have yet, as of yet, have not had to lock it. But we do have to, uh, you know, we can't leave food out. If food is left out, my daughter will, um, you know, she can't resist. She's she's very good at telling me, though, if she does eat it. Um, <laughs> so do you have to count her calories and measure things out. I do not do that. I used to do that when she was like two and she was two and a half. And we saw the specialist in Florida and I had been counting her calories and she wasn't walking yet. Um, excuse me. She wasn't walking yet. And I was telling the specialist that we were counting her calories and she was like, stop, you got to stop doing that. Like she's too young. I don't want you to do that. She needs more food. And I started feeding her more. And within a couple of weeks, she started walking. And so like I, the mom guilt of, of thinking that I was starving my child, you know, she wasn't starving, but she wasn't getting the full nutrition that she needed because I was so hyper-focused on the future and the potential. And, yeah. you know, well, this is the way you have to manage it. So hopefully we never have to count calories. I mean, we don't, she does great. Um, you know, we just keep her active and we eat healthy. And sometimes we get ice cream cones and it works for us. <laughs> I love that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So even that's kind of on a spectrum disorder too, like on the spectrum yeah. of the disorder is what I mean to say. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting. Just, and, and there's so many, there's different types of PWS. So there is the deletion, there's the UPD, which is the unilateral something, whatever. My daughter has the deletion. Um, There's also people can get acquired PWS, I think is what they call it. But if there's like a brain injury or, um, you know, because I think the biggest thing that affects is a hypothalamus. I think that's where a lot of the the symptoms, the characteristics come from is the dysfunction in the hypothalamus. I am not a... uh, some, Some parents really dive into the scientific medical Mm -hmm. part. And that's just not really, (laughs) it's kind of beyond me. It's not really my area. That's really fascinating to me, but it always shows up on a genetic test. I, well, I mean, unless it's, unless it's the acquired PWS, it wouldn't. Okay. I'm just curious. So, (laughs) and then the, the UPD, I don't know because like, so my daughter has the deletion, which means that on her 15th chromosome, there's a slight, there's a partial deletion on her 15th chromosome. Um, and that's what I'm going to say. Cause I can't, I can't begin to explain. Stuff. <laughs> I was just so curious about that. Um, it's just really fascinating to me. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama. I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home, or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced, and so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Okay, I want to know how this has kind of shaped you as a as a person. Like I hear at the beginning that, I mean, I see that as 
all moms wanting to do the absolute best for their kids. I mean, like, okay, I need to count. Cal- okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to count calories. I'm going to try to figure this out. And like, I can see any person going down that road and then hearing something else and you're like, well, shoot, I was doing it wrong. And now it's all my fault that she wasn't walking. Like I hear that kind of guilt that we all felt when we're trying our very best. And then it's, it's not the best, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah. like that's shaped a lot of your story? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I had somebody tell me kind of towards the beginning that uh, they, they referenced my handling of, of, you know, learning that I had a, a child with special needs, um, is, you know, with grace. And, uh, that's not a word that I would have ever attributed to myself or would have ever wanted, you know, I was just really rebellious and just like, bah, I'm, you know, what, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I really decided it was almost like when they said that it was, it was like, yeah, okay, that's a coat I want to wear. I like that. That felt good. I want to, I do want to be graceful, um, to a point, uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, I think I always go back to that moment to, to hearing that. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a, it's, it's constantly changing. I mean, you know, my biggest challenge these days is learning how to stay emotionally regulated in the face of my daughter's emotional dysregulation, which is a skill that I have to learn. Just like, um, you know, I, I am a very empathetic person. I'm very sensitive to, to the people around me. Um, but you know, I went to this, uh, five hour behavior management seminar and where I learned how to be empathetic with my daughter in the face of or just started to learn how to be empathetic. It's a continuous process, but I just thought that was interesting that I, it was actually something that I had to learn that like, Oh, this is my daughter is in this space. This is how I have to be. I have to be that calm, regulated presence. And I think it's an amazing skill to learn. And I would love for everybody to learn that skill. And, you know, I'd like to think that it is something we're learning, but I'm realizing like, no, it's most people don't aren't, you know, like, I don't know that we, that it's a skill that's really, um, I don't know. It's just interesting how, uh, I feel like for most of us, it's not our gut reaction to come and sit in that space when our child is screaming things at us and they're completely related. It's not like, Oh, let us be calm. Like that's not what my body wants to do (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And then seeing it in public as well. I mean, I, you know, I've always one of those people, you know, if I'm in target and there's some kids screaming, you know, I'm like, Oh, what a brat, you know, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> and now I'm learning, I've just been really schooled on this journey. And I do appreciate the lessons that I've, I've learned that the empathy and the the compassion and the, the grace of, you know, because it's one thing to say like, yes, people are different and we all have our different challenges and, you know, I accept everybody. Um, and then it's another thing to be faced with that and have, have to really lean into that of, um, all of those. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Like practicing what you, what you really think. Yeah. Has there been like in your training that you received, were there activities or, um, processes or I don't I guess I don't know what am I trying to say were there to-do list of do this so that you can practice building your empathy hmm 
Um, or was it more just education around the whole thing? I think just, you know, education around the whole thing and really um, having to kind of look at um, what's at least what science says about how the brain is like how her brain is working and, you know, realizing that, um, you know, learning that her, her brain is telling her one thing, you know, where I can, where I can say like, oh, she should, why doesn't she feel this way? Why doesn't she react this way? Why can't she understand? And then see, you know, when I learn about the science of it or brain chemistry, and uh, that's really important for me to, to, to know that, to hear that and to realize like, oh, she, can't like she's not just trying to be a jerk like she cannot um shift in this moment and that's been really critical for me to learn um to to recognize and to remember that she's not doing these things to be difficult she's not um you know she's not saying she's tired because she doesn't want us to go do this fun thing like she really is exhausted her body is done and so you know just really um recognizing and understanding how her body works, you know, a little differently than mine and, the, and having to be okay with that. Yeah. I think that's been a huge shift for me as well of kind of figuring out what's really going on here because then I'm able to like lower my expectations of them and then allow them to kind of meet to where they really can thrive in that space and not, not just fall short of all my expectations, you know? Yeah. And not take things personally, you know, yes. like not think um, that just because I want it to happen this way, it, you know, means that she has to want it to happen that way or that she's intentionally keeping it from happening that way. You know, it's just, it's not personal. It's just, it's just what it is. And I try, um, you know, cause I think the other element um, that I'm coming up to right now, that's something that I'm just starting to, to, to recognize or explore the feelings around, you know, my daughter is getting to an age where, you know, she's been really cute her whole life, you know, and now she's coming into puberty. Um, and you know, it's that kind of typical thing. I just saw a poem that somebody had written recently. Um, you know, it was like when my son outgrew cute, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, so we're, I feel like we're starting to get to that space of like, okay, what does it look like when um, she is a big kid dissolving into tears in the middle of the school hallway? Like, you know, she's a middle schooler now. Like we just had that the other day, um, you know, just standing in the hallway, just sobbing, which is not typical for kids that age. It's not something that's, that our society accepts really either. So um I'm not really sure how that ties in with what we we're talking about, but just, you know, these, these new challenges and, and how to um, navigate those. Yeah. Just having to continually navigate things because I am with you. There's been times where I get reports about behavior at school and they're like, but it's so, I mean, no, it's good that they're cute. Cause da, 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 da. I'm like, uh-uh, this is not okay. Cause I like, they're not going to be cute one day. They're going to be pimply faced mm-hmm. little teenagers and yeah. It's not going to be fun. And who's going to deal with them then? Um, mm-hmm. And so it does feel like a whole new, like bringing in of new people, a new team of like, okay, we got to grow in compassion and empathy for our kiddos here in this space. So I think it de- definitely ties in well with the constant evolving of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me, 
tell our listeners a little bit about breathe and kind of you've yeah. shared your heart behind it, but I want, want you to dive in and talk about how glorious it is. Um, yes, it is. I think I am very proud of breathe. Um, and I hope that more people start, uh, you know, really checking it out because so it is a website, um, that is for parents and caregivers. There are a variety of things. There are downloadable courses. I've started doing some live workshops. I have one coming up, uh, taught by another mom who is a neuro PT and, um, her, her son has a, has a variety of diagnoses, uh, medically complex. She is teaching a workshop on strategies for calming your autonomic nervous system. So that's for people who deal with chronic stress, which is caregivers and parents, right? All of us. So the idea of breathe is that, um, you know, it, like I said, it stemmed from my feelings of isolation and lack of resources and that frustration. And, you know, like that cliche of like, I never want another family to feel that. So, you know, I guess that's one of the, one of the beauties of COVID was that we learned that there are other ways to reach people, uh, you know, like through, through uh, zoom meetings and things like that. So, so breathe is a, is a website. It has, like I said, classes, workshops, there's a blog, there's a, um, a page with, uh, you know, free resources that from each of the courses and, um, you know, and then there's a resource page, there's a community element too, which is kind of like Facebook, um, I guess. And, you know, they, my idea was that, you know, I reached out to other parents to teach the classes. Part of it was because I wanted parents when they, you know, when they come on and they, and they do these classes or, you know, if they choose to do the classes and they see, it's not just another specialist or another doctor or whatever. Um, it's a, it's another parent that has gone through this experience, somebody they can relate to. Uh, you know, I, I just want it to be a place where parents can go and realize, wow, there's a lot of resources. Um, you know, and the, the classes are centered around, um, you know, like self-care. Cause that's the other thing is we do so much for our kids and we're so focused on what services does my kid need? What resources do they need? And we just, you know, we often kind of lose ourselves. We forget that we really need to take care of ourselves as well. So, um, you know, the classes are centered around what we can do for ourselves, but there are, there is one uh, improv for social and emotional learning um, because that's the other thing is that, you know, like I said, we have a hard time in this area, keeping specialists, finding therapists. Um, so I had to do a lot at home that I had learned, you know, kind of alternative therapies and things like that. And so I would like to get more of those onto the website as well. So that parents, you know, maybe if they're sitting in some rural County in the middle of America and they, they don't have a therapist, you know, that can, um, that they can go to, uh, you know, they can come to breathe and they can find a course that fits for them and, and learn some skills that they can work with their, with their child. Uh, you know, so it's just, I want it to be like, you know, self-care educational, um, you know, just a place to connect and to see other parents and to, you know, like my, my vision was like, um, you know, like a parent in the NICU, which I, I was never, I didn't, I never had that experience necessarily of, of that but you know I just imagine like a parent in the hospital you know you've just had this baby you've just gotten this diagnosis you're totally overwhelmed what does that even mean 
and then somebody's saying, you know, well, look, you know, look here, look at, check out this website. And they open up this website, which I think looks beautiful. Um, and just to see, wow, okay. Like there's a place for me. And, you know, maybe they don't need any of the resources at that moment, or maybe nothing really um, stands up, but just that they know like, oh, here's a place I can go. There's a place where I belong, where I can find help. And now I can go to sleep for the night, you know? Yeah. And it really is beautiful. You've done a great job on it. Thank you. Thanks for putting that out in the world. Um, And is there anything that you would love to share with our audience just as an encouragement to special needs moments out there? Um, yeah, just, you know, the importance of finding your community and the, just how great that we live in the age that we do, uh, despite all of the horrors of the world. Um, (laughs) there's also so much beauty and so many ways to connect now that we didn't necessarily have before. And so I think that that is really amazing. Um, you know, you don't, have to find your community um, down the road, you know, because they they may not be there. Uh, you know, you may live somewhere where, where there's just not other families, but the other families are there and there's ways to find them. And it's just so important uh, to have that. You know, I just, I did a, a journaling workshop on through Breathe and the first one, and there were five of us that did it. And, um, four of us still meet once a month and we just met on zoom last night and just taught. We we were just all catching up about our experience. We all live in different parts of the country, but we were able to come together and share what's been going on in our life and just really support each other. And so I just really encourage moms to reach out and I'm always open to meeting new parents. And, you know, if I can direct anybody in a certain direction, people always um, welcome to reach out to me and I'll, see if I can, you know, help. I've, I've tried to set families up before. And so I love so that. unofficially, of course, but um, yeah. It's like a dating service. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Um, I love that so much because our, our kids and our diagnoses are so different and yet they're really not that different. Like we have the same struggles and we have like finding providers and finding community and self-care and mom guilt and all these things. And so um, I think that's just a beautiful thing that we all, like we all have our heart, but as special needs moms and kind of group adoptive moms into that as well, because it's also just hard. It's hard. And so I think that having that commonality of life is maybe not the ideal that I want it to be right now is kind of a, a beautiful space to be and just recognizing that and having support around that. So I appreciate yeah. you putting that up for other moms. Yeah. So thank you, Anne, for coming on today and for sharing with us. And um, it's fun to hear your journey. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I was really um, excited to be on here. It's a pleasure. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.